0: You are now listening to an awesome sermon from the St. Louis Dream Center. Grab a pen and some paper, you're in for a treat. Yep, next week is my 48th birthday. And so, you know, growing up, I didn't like birthday parties. And I didn't like birthday parties because I was a kid that wondered if people would show up. So instead of having a party that nobody showed up to, I just didn't have a party. But I loved getting gifts. So I was cool with the gifts, just don't give me the party. And I would get gift cards, and I, you know, you'd know, get the card, and it have money in it, or a gift card, and I would get that, and I, I'd love that. And it was a season in our lives where, you know, when we had first gotten together after those first couple of years, we were struggling financially. And during that time, I'd had a birthday and had gotten a card that had uh, money in it. And we're struggling, and I don't even open the car because I didn't know money was in it. And so I, it's in a bag, and I find it months later. I just oh, that's got my name on it. Open it up. I said, "Ooh, that's got money in it." Hmm. And the crazy thing about it was this: so I had a need, and that money could have been used several times over during the time of that need. But because I didn't know I had the money in a card, in a bag, the need went unmet by what I already had to meet the need. So it was as if I didn't have the money at all because even though I had the money, if I don't know I have the money, the money doesn't do me any good. And and what I've learned is that's how we are with our Christian walk. We don't understand what's in us. See, if you understood what was in you, there would be relationships that you wouldn't let hang on any longer. If you knew what was really in you, there would be things that you would be doing, places that you would be going, a life that you'd be living that is beyond anything that you could ever imagine. Because we all run into seasons where we have a need. Maybe we need money. Maybe we need healing. Maybe we need peace. Maybe we need joy. Maybe we need a job. And we think that everything we need is outside of us when everything we really need is inside of us. You're looking for that thing for, from a woman or a man, or you're, you're waiting for somebody to give you that big break or somebody to come along that can do it. God says, you don't need a somebody to come along to do it. I'm already here, and I got everything that you need if you know that it's in you. Isn't it interesting that you could have everything, but if you don't know you have it, it's as if you don't have it. And when we think about this thought process of knowing what we have and that it's all in us, this is one of the, it's the benefits of being born again. See, at the moment you receive Christ as Savior, the Bible says that you are now born again of an incorruptible seed. You have now been, you've crossed over from living for the enemy, and now you're living for God. And that's all true, but there is something else that takes place. You were once born of the flesh when you were born by your mother, but now you've been born of the Spirit, which means your Spirit and God's Spirit are now interwoven. So when you're born again, it's more than just making the decision to walk down an aisle to keep you from going to hell. It's more than just you saying, I'm tired of life, so I'm going to go ahead and try this Jesus thing. When you're born again, you and God become one. If you don't know that you're one with God, well, let's talk about this God for a second who we're one with. Let's see. He spoke light and light was. He, he threw the stars in space just like LeBron throws a no-look pass. He threw the sun up and the moon up. There are galaxies on top of galaxies. He spoke and the land formed. He spoke and the sea split. He spoke and the, land and the animals were birthed and given life to. It says, I'm one with that God. But I'm going around begging for pennies like I'm not. See, when I understand what's in me, it changes what I do. And it's interesting in John 3, 5, and 10, where Jesus talks about this, and this isn't going to be on the screen, but he says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Human life comes from human parents, but spiritual life comes from the spirit, So don't be surprised that I say, you must be born again. See, being born again isn't me going back up into the womb and starting all over again. Being born again is the spirit inside of me that was dead, that was dormant, that was God's place. When I'm born again and make the decision for Jesus, now comes alive. And the connection with God comes alive. And he hears my prayers and I have access to all that is his. The Bible even says that I'm an heir to the kingdom of God when I'm born again. But one thing I also get when I'm born again is I get benefits. See, come on now. I get benefits. And, And let me make this parallel for you. How many of you all have ever started a new job? And if you've never started a new job, you better be an infant or a 15 year old. <laughs> but when you start a new job, you go through orientation. And through orientation, they give you a benefits package. And they tell you that, hey, you got this amount of paid time off. You got this amount of sick leave. You have this amount of, uh, you know, you've got health insurance. You, You got all of these things that they say is a part of your benefits package. And here's the thing. There is an HR representative that takes you through the benefits package. And most of us get handed this thick handbook. Well, we're supposed to find out about all of the benefits because the HR guy or girl won't go through all of them with you because it would take too much time. They give you the book so you can go read about the other benefits that are yours. And what we don't do in most cases, we just listen to the HR rep. We're so thank you, Lord, that we got the job. We don't even trip off of the fact that there is a handbook that lays on all of our benefits. Whew. Yeah, the devil is a alive. And when we go through that orientation, without reading the handbook, you'll go off and pay to go to school when they tell you there's tuition reimbursement. You'll go off and you'll try and you got bereavement pay, but since you didn't read the book, You don't know you have bereavement pay, so you take vacation time to take time off. When you didn't have to touch your vacation time, you could have used the bereavement pay. See, you have to read the handbook. You can't just listen to the HR rep because the handbook tells you more than the rep could tell you because time is limited. See, when we understand that we're born again, there is an HR rep that's called Pastor Tony Gilmore. And I get up every Sunday morning and I tell you about the benefits that are yours, but I only have 52 Sundays a year to tell you about these benefits. So I can't tell you everything. So you gotta take the initiative to go home and read the handbook, the Bible, to find out all of the benefits that are yours. And right now there are some of us working our tails off to make ends meet because you haven't read the handbook to know that God has a financial plan for you that when you give, it'll be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over, men shall give unto your bosom. When you read the handbook, you know God will supply my needs according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus, you're walking around sick thinking only the doctors can heal you, where in the handbook it says, by my stripes you are healed, that the diseases of the Egyptians can't rest on you. See, when you understand the handbook, And you read it outside of orientation. Every Sunday morning is a new orientation for you. And you come in and you take it in and you walk out. And you don't pick up the handbook. And the rest of the week you are struggling and fighting, trying to just survive and just make it. In my handbook, he's given me all things pertaining to life and Godliness. So because I don't read the handbook, I miss the benefits. And one of the benefits that we really miss is that God has given us spiritual gifts. And these gifts aren't just to show on a Sunday morning. These gifts are to govern our life when we live outside of here. Man, when you understand your gift, you'll find out what your life's supposed to be about. See, if you just come to church, and you're like, okay, I was at the club last night. Lord, I need to clear my conscience. Let me go to the house of the Lord today. And you like, wow, Monday through Saturday, my life is a wreck. When you find out what your gift is, it changes the game. It changes life. And this is a statement that came to me while I was Studying this, that when I unwrap my gift, I unveil my life. Your gift is tied to the life that you're supposed to lead. And until you know the gift that God's put in you, everything you live is beneath the life that you've been called to live. You know what? If you are a a hundred thousandaire and you don't know the gift, you still haven't gotten there yet because the gift isn't about the money. When you walk in your spiritual gift, it is the greatest place of fulfillment. It is the greatest place of prosperity because prosperity is more than just money. Prosperity is being able to sleep at night. Prosperity is being able to know my kids are taken care of when I'm not around my kids. Prosperity is health and prosperity is strength. Prosperity is in the midst of the storm. I have a helper, I have a calmer, I have angels at my disposal. See, see, when I know, because when I understand that, it is that place of prosperity. You've heard the, them say this before. The The safest place in the whole wide world is where the will of God. And when I know my gift, I understand His will better for my life, and my life has more of a focus to it. But when I don't know my gift, I can't truly understand my life. And it's interesting look at what the great theologian Albert Einstein said. He wasn't a theologian, scientist. Everyone is a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. If you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, you'll think that it's stupid because the fish was never designed to climb trees. A fish was designed to swim in water. And see, when you don't understand your gift, you're trying to climb trees instead of swimming in water. And you failed at this, and you failed at that, and you think you're a failure. Can I tell you, you are not a failure. You are created by the Almighty God for purpose, on purpose, and it's not that you're a failure. You may have failed because you haven't gotten lined up with why you're supposed to be here. But oh my God, when you find out why you're here and what he's put in you, not a devil in hell, not your background, not your neighborhood, not the color of your skin, not what people think about you, not your past, not your mistakes, there is nothing that can stop a person who understands and goes after his God and why he's here. You only fail. Because you're going after the wrong thing. And because you don't know what's in you, you don't know what to go after. Jesus is our perfect example of how this works. He is the ultimate example of how we should live our life with our gift. Jesus was a skilled carpenter while at the same time the son of God. And in this, we understand that if if you're like, well, okay, that was just Jesus. Well, you need to understand Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Because God didn't want us to have an excuse to say, well, he was God. No, 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 no. He was man and he was God. And listen to this portion of scripture in Acts chapter 10, 36 through 38. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ... He is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And it went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Why was he able to do it? Because God was with him. So here is Jesus going around doing good, healing the sick, raising the dead. And it said, why is he able to do this? Because God was with him. It doesn't refer to him in this moment as he was God. It refers and says God was with him. Well, who else is God with? Me. You. And so if Jesus in this moment was able to do what he was able to do because he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, then don't you know that God showed us this so he could show you that this is how your life should be lived? Why? Because God is with you. Come on, just say God is with me. See, when you get a revelation of that, it'll change where you spend your nights. It'll change what you look at. It'll change where you go. Because when you know, listen, when we do what we do, God isn't closing his eyes and he's like, oh, Lord, there that, I go again. Don't want to look at that. He's right there with us. Never leaves us or forsake us. If he left you or forsook you for one moment, he would be breaking his promise to you. And so when we think about this moment, we're walking through that same anointing, rest on us that rested on jesus because that same holy spirit operates inside of us and then jesus makes this crazy audacious audacious statement in in john 14 12 and 13 when he says guess what the miracles you saw me do you're gonna do greater because i go into my father Why was it important for him to go to the Father? Because when Jesus went to the Father, the Holy Spirit went from just coming on him to do the works to being spread out and coming on anybody who would believe to do the work. And the Holy Spirit rested on Jesus. And now, when we come to our text in Ephesians 4, 7, and 13, Ephesus is a megachurch. It's like... Lakewood or Joel Osteen Church, thousands of people attended this church. It was Paul's church that he planted and he left in the hands of young Timothy to lead. He told young Timothy, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. They worshiped idol gods, but Paul came in with the gospel and he made this gospel relational and relative to right where they are. People were getting saved by the droves in Ephesus. And he says to them in this moment, let them see. Sorry, let me jump ahead. He said, this God has given to each of us grace in full measure. The grace has two meanings. Grace is unmerited favor. It's the favor of God on your life that you can't earn. But there is also a secondary definition of grace, which is supernatural empowerment. And so he says, I've given to each of you, each of you. No, no, no. Well, maybe he bypassed the third row or the eighth row or the tenth row. Maybe bypassed the left side or the right side. No, no, no. He said, each one of you have been given a grace, a supernatural endowment from the almighty God in full measure, according to the anointed's gifts. As the scripture says, and then it says when he ascended to the heights, he put captivity in chains, meaning the thing that held you back from walking in your gift has now been sequestered and imprisoned. So you are now free to live that life and do the thing that God's called you to. You are no longer bound by sin anymore. You are no longer bound by the addiction anymore. You are no longer bound by your past anymore. When Jesus took the step of going to hell for us, spending the time down there, taking the keys of hell and death and the grave from Satan, he took power and authority over everything that would keep you from walking this thing out. And when he did that, the Bible says that he released gifts. And those gifts are not based on your color or your background. It's not based on if you made mistakes or didn't make mistakes. It's based on your faith and if you believe what God says about you. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, and it was the risen one who handed down to us such gifted leaders. So now he says, I've given you gifts of the spirit. Everybody has a grace gift. And I've also given you a gift to find out what your gift is. This is how complete God is. Because he's not saying, hey, I've given you a gift, go find out. I've given you a gift, hope you can figure it out. Hope you can find it on your own. Seems to be you. Hope you can do it. Now, he says, not only have I given you gifts, but I've given you gifts to help you find your gifts. And those gifts are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor. He says, I've given you. Look at this in verse 11. He says, it was the risen one who handed down to us such gifted leaders. Some emissaries, the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, as well as pastor teachers. Why? So that God's people would be thoroughly equipped to minister. Wait, wait. No. Pastor Tony, you're the minister. You're supposed to minister. You're supposed to reach the lost. You're supposed to heal the sick. You're supposed to go out and do all the work. No, it says right here that if I... Am doing my job the way I'm supposed to, you're the one going out to heal. You're the one going out to minister. You're the one going out to further the kingdom. And as a matter of fact, since my job is to prepare you to go, your job is to go. And if you don't go, you're not doing your job. And what this lets, this lets us know, which is a fundamental challenge in the church today and why we have challenges seeing the power of God and the world change the way that we have, is that we sit on our gifts expecting those gifts to do all the work. And God said, nah, your job is to teach them about their gift, help them find their gift, So that they can take their gift and change the world. Because guess what? I don't work at Edward Jones. I don't work at First Student. I don't work at Coca. I don't don't go to your job and pull up there every Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday at 8 a.m. I don't know the people that you know. I don't work with the people that you work with. So if God's dependent on me to get people saved then it's going to be a bunch of people that don't get saved because I can't reach them all, but you can. And my job as one of these gifts is to prepare you to go out and do the work of ministry. It is to equip you. The Bible calls this the fivefold ministry. That's what this is called. And this is not something that you like, let me, let me go to school for this. I, I want to go to school to be a pastor. I want to go to school to be an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet. You don't go to school to do this. You go to school because you've been called to it. It is a calling that you don't even have a choice on. I, I You know what, what? Let me say this. I did have a choice. I could have said yes or no to God. But if I said no to God, I would have been missing out on what God had in store for me to do and for me to be and for me to live. And I would have been missing out on why God placed me on the earth. So see, you can't say, I want to be a, that's what I want to do. I want to be a pastor. I want to be one of these five foes. It's got to be something that God calls you to. And when we walk through this, our function is to prepare you now for the ministry that God has called you to. Well, Pastor Tony, should I go out and get some cards saying minister, wash my car? Don't do it. Because the fivefold fold ministry gifts are the office of these gifts. The other gifts that God talks about and we're going to talk through over the next few weeks are the function of the gifts. And when you learn to function within your gift, it changes everything. And our job... Is to help you grow and to mature and to teach you the word of God in such a way that you can live in the victory that God has in store for you and fulfill your role. So the question then is, if God has a gift for me and I don't know what that gift is, then what do I do? Because Pastor Tony, is your job to help me get there. Well, I'm glad you asked. You are so smart. Man, this is a smart crowd. My job over the next few weeks is going to help you to discover to develop and to demonstrate your gift so that you can walk this thing out and be who God has called you to be. Do you know that God created you to be a world changer? Not just a diaper changer. He calls you to be a world changer. He called you to change the world in which you live. And when you don't operate, it's, in, it's incredible to think that like that money that I never opened up. See, I had that money the whole time. And when I opened the card and saw the money, it was able to do the thing that I needed it to do. Do you realize that God has a gift inside of you that is lying dormant right now? And because you don't know what that gift is, you're walking around feeling lost, feeling like life has no meaning sometimes feeling suicidal, sometimes feeling like you have no reason to live. Can I tell you the simple fact that you are breathing is evident that God has something that only you can do that nobody else can do the way that you do it. Nobody can sing the way that you sing or teach the way that you teach or handle money the way that you handle money. Why? Because when God created you, he had something specific in mind. And if you're here today and you feel lost or suicidal, Because life has no meaning. That is a trick from the pit of hell because Satan wants you to be destroyed before you ever find out why you're supposed to be here. If he can get you to destroy yourself, he knows. See, he doesn't have the power to destroy you. Stop giving him power that he doesn't have anymore. When Jesus descended and ascended, all power and authority was given to God. And listen, you don't have to walk around afraid of the enemy any longer. As a matter of fact, when we get to the end of this game, what we'll see, we're going to look at him and be like, that's him? That's the one that had, that, that's the little bitty dude that had nations in fear of him, people terrified of him. And he's going to do everything he can to get you distracted. He's going to send a man or a woman. He's going to send financial issues. He's going to try and send health issues. Why? Because his goal is to keep you from finding it. Don't you know something? When you know that somebody's about to walk into something that's about to radically change their life, and you don't want them to walk into it, don't you know that even we as humans will pull out all the stops to keep them from getting it? The devil doesn't want you to have this and he doesn't want you to know this because when you find it, your whole life will be different. This last story that I want to tell, George Washington Carver. I read his biography. If you don't know who George Washington Carver is, he was known for having over 300 patents, and products made from peanuts. And it says that he was born into slavery in a one-room shanty. He was orphaned as a baby. He grew up at the peak of racial prejudice. You, we're talking about prejudice now. This was the peak of it. Racial prejudice and discrimination were in high activity then. But it says that he became one of the most respected and one of the most influential people of his day. It says that he, were, he was called friends to presidents. World leaders like Gandhi and Stalin from Russia sought him for wisdom. Thomas Edison told Carver, together we can remake the world. Henry Ford offered him a job making six figures, and six figures back then was crazy. And he turned the job down because he wanted to do something that would help the world. And it says this little-known fact about George Washington Carver. Every day at 4 a.m., He would go into the woods to spend time with God. And he said that he had his little workshop and he began to ask God questions about creation because he had a bent or gifting towards science. And as he would ask God questions, he had this one question that he would approach God. He would say, Mr. Creator, what are peanuts for? And he would go into his laboratory and close the door and wait for God to give him the answer. And when he came out of that laboratory, time after time after time, another invention for peanuts, another invention for peanuts, another invention for peanuts. Guess where this now world-renowned historian got every idea from? The throne of God. And when he found out what his gift was with with science and he found out that God was the creator and the author, that he went to God and God gave, God took him from the bottom to the top, just like Drake. Because when a man or a woman finds their gift and connects to their God, racial discrimination, prejudice, Reverse prejudice, where you grew up, how you look, who your parents are, the mistakes of your past, the bad decisions just yesterday. There is nothing in this world that can stop a person who knows why they're here, lives that thing out, and connects with their God to find out about it. And just maybe the reason why your life is what it is today Is because you're walking around with a card with $100 in it, and you don't even know it. And you're working three and four jobs, and you're trying to make it happen all by yourself. And you're trying—you think if you get into this relationship with this guy that, okay, he'll take care of me and my kids— You think if you get into this relationship with this woman, that she'll give me that place of fulfillment. You think, okay, when I get this job, that'll do it, that job making $10 an hour, that'll be the place. And God's like, if you only knew what was in you, you would never take $10 an hour. You would never settle for a relationship like that. You would never go after this thing. You would never settle for anything less. Why? Because everything you need is in you. And over the next few weeks, I want to help you find out what's in you so that you can live this thing out and be who God's called you to be. You know, I use my story a lot. And I use my story a lot for this reason. Because I never want to preach from a place of just reading. I try and stay away from subjects that I haven't necessarily lived out. I try and stay in places that I know God has done for me. Because those are the places that I know that I know that I know. That I know 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 that I know. And one thing I know. Is that my life was lost, and I was suicidal, and I didn't think I had any reason to live. But when I found out that God created me for a purpose, and he put inside of me a gift, from the moment I found out what that gift was, the moment I found out what that gift was, every time I could get a book, I would buy it. Every time I would read, uh, every time I'd see a blog, I'd soak it up. Every time I found out somebody was speaking somewhere, I would try and hear, because when I found out the gift that God placed inside of me, I learned that it is now my responsibility to develop it and to steward it and to grow it. And it was like, as I started focusing on my God and on the gift and not just looked at how to make money and not just looked at how to have the greatest relationship, but I looked at him and him alone, he began to bring the relationship. He began to bring the money. He began to bring the fulfillment. He began to bring the life. He began to bring the hope. He began to bring the strength. He began to bring the health. He began to bring peace. He began to bring joy. He began to bring the type of life that I wake up every day excited about getting up because even though my days may be challenging, He is with me. When I unwrapped the gift, I found my life. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired, of, aren't you tired of trying to figure it out? Aren't you tired of asking people for their opinions about you and it keeps going wrong? Aren't you tired of guessing and trying to... Hope you made the right decision. The safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. And it is God's will for you to know your gift and to walk that thing out. My last statement is, your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men and women. But not knowing your gift will have you live a life that is mediocre. And God, that is not God's will for you. That is not God's will for you. That is not God's will for you. you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad you've lived. A mediocre life is not God's will for you. I just, I feel like I just need to say that. God's will for you is not mediocre. God's will for you is not to settle. God's will for you is not to think that this is all you can do. God's will is not that you look at your parents and say, I'll never be more. That you look at your life and say, I'll never be more. God's will for you is to take you from the bottom of whatever it is and bring you to the top. And the only person you'll ever compete with is you. You compete to be the best version of you that God has called you to be. Amen? Come on, give God some praise. Hope you enjoyed that message. If you live in the St. Louis area or ever plan to visit, we'd love for you to join us at one of our services at 4324 Margareta at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Be blessed. We hope to worship with you soon.